Everybody, my name is Jared. I am the uh, youth pastor here at Olive Branch. Uh, I'm excited to uh, be here this morning and get the opportunity to, to preach. Um, but before we get like into it, I want to I wanna give you guys opportunity real quick, just with someone next to you, maybe in front or behind you, because that's probably someone you don't know, and this might be a cool way to know something about a stranger sitting next to you. Or if you're like me, you'll quickly go to the person you do know because you feel safer uh, and you're introverted. But answer this question, what is a fun moment you have had? Just It could be from this past week, maybe it's the funnest moment you've ever had in your life, but real quick, take about 15, 20 seconds apiece right now and loudly let's get into a dull roar in here and start sharing a fun moment you have had either recently or in your life. All right, hopefully, hopefully everybody got to share at least with one person. Um, by a show of hands, who thought that the person's moment or story that you shared with was more fun than, than your own that you shared? Who thought, well, this is the most hands. And every other service, it was like no hands up. Everybody was like, no, my life's way more fun than that person's life. Like, I don't know what they're into. They said theirs was like books. That's weird. Uh, Right, but no, there's there's a there's a reason why we're sharing this because we're talking we're gonna be talking about fun today. But for me, um, something that happens fairly often, usually pretty much always at every like winter camp or or camp I go with students on or any mission trip, basically anything where I'm like I get exhausted after a couple of days and I have a late night and I'm just like sleep deprived and done about about uh, uh, you know someone will say something silly or dumb, and then I start losing it. I have a video clip. This came up on Facebook uh, this past week because it was from exactly a year ago when I was on a mission trip with my church in Arizona. We went to Malawi, uh, Africa, and I was there with my students in my church, and it was like five nights in. Someone said something or did something that really wasn't that funny, but you're just, when you're just gone, like I lose myself completely. So anyways, hopefully the volume will be up. and So give it a second to kick in. This is totally normal. This is real. People, when they see this for the first time, are always like, that's not really you. (laughs) Is it? And I'm like, this is me. I've lost my mind. The longest, this particular video goes on for minutes and minutes and like probably about 15 minutes. The longest I've ever gone laughing like this was an hour and a half. I was on a mission trip in Mexico, and 45 minutes in, I'm asking them to take me to the hospital. But when you're laughing like this, no one takes a request that serious. No one took me to the hospital. I literally thought I was going to die of laughter. I'm going to stop because I'll probably start right now, and then we'll get nowhere. And we'll get nowhere this morning. I'll just have to pray and hope that you got something out of my laughter. Um, Right, And so I, I, I bring this up and I have you guys share your fun moments because when we talk about fun, when we talk about fun, I think it's something we, it's a word we use a lot. 
but at the same time, we don't, I've never really thought that deeply about the word um, until this week when I was doing, you know, prepping this sermon for it. And uh, I think before, like, I would have just been like, how do you define fun? Um, it's fun. I don't know how else to define it. It's like a word you want to use to define itself. And maybe because I'm just not that educated. Uh, but I looked it up and basically this is the definition of fun. Fun is simply a moment or instance or situation that just, it makes you smile or it makes you laugh or it brings you joy. Like that's, that's, that's what, when that stuff happens, when you laugh, when you smile, when you have a moment or situation of joy, then you refer to it as that is fun or this is fun. And, and the idea behind all this is that life, a fun life, the title of my message is The Fun Life, I believe ultimately the fun life is with God and not anything or anyone else. That the funnest life that you could possibly live is with God. In other words, the life that will bring you the most joy, the deepest kind of joy is with God. It's not that other things can't like make you happy or, or aren't fun or whatever. It's just that this specific type of fun that will never end only comes with God. The problem is though, is there's like a belief or idea out there. And as a youth pastor, it's something I have to deal with a lot that if you're going to be a Christian, if, if I'm, if a student or anybody, but general, I'm a youth pastor, I'm always thinking in the mindset of students. Um, but if, if you're going to give your life to Christ, it's like, well, I, I don't want to do that because now that means I can't have any more fun because like, because I'll be a Christian and that's not fun because like you have to like not have fun. I think is like the first commandment. Don't have fun in the name of the Lord, Jesus, right? Like I, and, 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 and the, my other opposite is that it's, if I want a fun life, well then I for sure like being a Christian is like the last thing I should do. I should probably just do whatever I want. That will be a fun life. For me in high school, I didn't give my life to Christ till later in high school. I wasn't raised in the church. And so I had a buddy of mine in high school who was always trying to get me to go to church and get me to go to his youth group events and all this stuff. And, and I would go because the girls were cute. And, and, and or maybe it was a fun event, something I was interested in. And, uh, but I, I, would, I would just tell him, you know, like I just think that, that God, living for God or having a relationship with God, like is silly. Like there's no God, there's, there's no life after this life, like this is all we have here and now. This is it. And like, I want to live it the way that I want. Like, I want to have fun the way I want to have fun. Like, I understand that if I'm a Christian, I might live to be super old because I'm not going to have a fun life and I'll always be safe and in a bubble somewhere, in a Christian bubble, right? And so then I'll be super old and then I'll just end up having to be like, I'll lose my independence because I'll, I'll live so long and I'll have to have my kids take care of me or my grandkids. And like, I don't want to get to that. I don't want to die young having fun the way that I want because I had a temporal mindset. I had a mindset that thought of that this is it. This is, this is all that there is. Life is temporary. There is no eternity. There is no next life. The temporal mindset says that fun can't happen with God. Fun is just about the small little moments here and there. Whereas the eternal mindset says that that fun is a little bit more significant. Um, so uh, before I, I get into that, I, this week was VBS week, and today's VBS Sunday, whatever that means, because um, I think it's the first time we've done this, uh, what we talked about this week was we, how do we have a fun life with God? And more than that, that we were made for this life. We were made to have a relationship 
with our creator. We were made to have a life that lasts forever with God. That was his original intention. And each day we sort of focused on the different whys or how, like why, why is life with God the fun life? Why are we made for this? What makes it so fun living with God? And we looked at different characteristics and aspects of God each day. And the first one we looked at, I'm not going to go through all of them. I just want to do really just a couple. The first one we looked at, we looked at a verse in Romans 8.31. And so Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And if anybody's been in a Christian or in a church wall, you probably heard this verse told to you like when you were going through a rough time or whatever. If God's for you, who can be against you? And you hear that and you're like, yeah, no one can defeat me except for the people that are defeating me right now. Yay, scripture, not helping, right? And, and the thing is, is, is partially because we tend to take scripture out of context sometimes, but the context of this passage, what Paul is talking about in this section is all the trials and the pain and suffering that these people are going through. Like they're going through some hard stuff. They're going through some difficult stuff. And he's trying to encourage them and remind them, God is for us. Who can be against us? And to understand that a little bit more, this week at VBS, we looked, um, we went into the book of Joshua and we looked at the story, really the story of uh, uh, of Rahab, okay, who um, helps the people out. So just to set the scene a little bit, the first couple of chapters of Joshua. So Moses and that whole generation, they're long gone, they're done, you know, they're dead, uh, and they're done wandering the desert, and God has Joshua in the lead, and it's time for them to take the promised land. And so they're going to go in, they're going to take the promised land, and it's time, so Joshua's like, let's send a couple spies in. So they get some spies together, spies go in, and they're like, we need, some, we need to hide out somewhere. We're on this mission trip, right? We're on a mission, tripping, and we're going into this city. We need a spy, so, but we need somewhere safe to hide. So let's go to the prostitute's house. We'll hide out in there, and Rahab will keep us safe. And she does that. She keeps them safe. Um, she hides them from the soldiers looking for them. But it's what she says about God to them while she's hiding them that sort of, you, you can tell she understands what it means that God is for us. In uh, Joshua uh, 2, 8 through 11, it says, Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when, you went, for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. See, Rahab understood what God being for something meant. She understood that when God is for something or for us, he's in support of us. In other words, his, our successes are his successes. He supports us. The thing is though, is that when we're in this pain and when we're seeking fun or, or whatever, I asked the staff this week, um, what is What's something fun? Ask them the same question. What's, what's a fun moment you've had? Like, no Jesus-y answers. Like, I know we're at on staff at a church, but like, you know, like, just what's something fun? And everybody answered going to Disneyland or Universal Studios or, or 
Hawaii or whatever, like all, basically it was vacations. And I realized that the temporal fun, the temporary fun, things that we seek in life are really about escaping pain. They're, they're about trying to get away from the trials, trying to get away from the hardships of life and escaping pain. When we have a temporal mindset that we are fueled by fun in, in a temporary state, well, it's, it's about getting away from the pain and, and escaping from it. And then I asked, I asked everybody, I'm like, okay, well, what's the funnest, most joy you have ever felt with God? Like you, God's allowed to be a part of your response this time. And every single person's answer revolved around one basic moment. And that is a moment that someone becomes a believer, a moment that someone is forgiven for all the sins of their life that they have committed, are committing, and will commit. And that they, in that moment, are made right with God through Christ. Every single person said that that was the best moment. And, and, and it like struck me, it's like, okay, so like when we're thinking about a fun life in a temporary mindset, it's about escaping pain. But when we enter into a relationship with God and we understand that there's an eternal mindset to take on, that it's not about escaping the pain, but that God meets us in the pain and he gives purpose to it. And in that, God is supporting us. Joshua's story expands on this idea that, okay, God, God wants us to be successful, even in our pain. He wants us to have an eternal mindset with a life that is so fun, where we are having joy that comes from him, that can't be taken away. And when he is supporting us, he will make it happen. And God's side will win. He will be successful at making sure that that happens for us. And it's not just that he supports us. Joshua, if we go to Joshua 1, 9, so right before this, right when God's basically telling Joshua to, to go in and it's time to go into the promised land, he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. You see, he doesn't just support us from a distance. He's not this distant, far-off God in the heavens that, that like, hopefully one day we get to meet. He's not sending us support mail. He is with us. For us as believers, we understand that he does this now through his Holy Spirit. When we give our life to him, he gives us his Holy Spirit, and his Spirit indwells in us meets us where we're at in our sin, in our pain, forgiving us and molding us and shaping us daily to look more like citizens of the kingdom of heaven than citizens of the kingdom of this world. And all of this is significant. All of this is significant, I believe, because he made us. He has made us in his image. He's made man and woman in his image. Us as men and women represent his image. He is our father in heaven. And a life pleasing him, a life living for him, it's fun because we please him. When we know that we can please God, like that's what makes it fun. It's a lot like when you're a kid, okay, and your parents ask you, ask you to clean your room or to do your chores or whatever. Like nothing in you wants to do that. And, and for me especially, like as a kid, like I did not like cleaning. I still don't like cleaning. Uh, but I did not like cleaning. And eventually I learned, man, if I clean something or if I do my chores, especially without my parents having to ask me, when they come home, like they're stoked. They're so proud and like they're super excited. And like that, that brings me joy. Like 
It's the, it's the eternal mindset as opposed to the temporal mindset, which is like no, fun in the moment right now for me to have fun means going out and riding my bikes or playing video games, right? Or, or, or even now as like, you know, as a husband and my spouse or my wife, she like does not like dirty things. Does, that doesn't bother me. Like for me, like I would, I don't like the dishes piling up. To me, it's a competition. How high can we get it? You know, before we have to clean them or need dishes to eat off of, right? Um, but I, I, I just last yesterday, I, like, I was super excited because I, I, I emptied the dishwasher, put all the dishes away. This is so lame. Um, and, uh, and, and I did, all, there was a huge, all kinds of dishes. We had some guests over, and so there was even more dishes than normal. So I did it all, put it all away. But at the end of the night, my daughters had put a couple of like cups and like bowls and stuff in the sink, and I didn't see that. And so when she got home, I was like excited for her to see, like, I cleaned, I did things today. You know, because when I make her happy, like, that's what brings me joy. When I serve her, that's what brings me joy, even though I hate cleaning. I mean, she walked in and, like, she just saw the cups instantly. Like, when she gets home, like, for me, it's like, I need to take my shoes off and sit down. Her, she's like, what can I clean? There's something dirty somewhere. I can smell it, see it. It's everywhere. Me, I don't see messes. The toys all over the place, I don't see them, like, at all. And to me, they're going to be there eventually. The bed, why make it? We're going to sleep in it again, you know? She's different than me. She loves a clean place. And so a lot like serving God and living for God, maybe sometimes we're called to do things that we don't really like doing or we're called to be in situations that maybe aren't that fun. Ultimately, how we find joy in those moments is knowing that we are right where he wants us, doing what he wants us to do. And we're pleasing him by some miracle, us as imperfect fallen, messed up people who are sinning daily, right, have the ability somehow to put a smile on our creator's face. And ultimately, like, that's what brings me joy. And the difference between the big moment, like, the fun life with God and just all the little stuff, it's not like that, like, video games and all that stuff is wrong, right? Um, But when we're seeking fun, what we're seeking is fulfillment. We're seeking purpose, right? We, we need a reason. We need to escape. We need to be fulfilled. We need to be filled. We want to feel good. And so when we find it in the small stuff, eventually some of those small things can, can tear our lives apart and even become addictions. But when we find fulfillment, when we find our joy in serving our creator, well, he's eternal. All this stuff over here, every, everything will die, everything will rot, everything will rust and get destroyed. He, however, he's eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. And so when our joy comes from him, that is a joy that cannot be taken away. That is a joy that will last forever, even if there is pain. Yes, we don't escape it, but he gives purpose to it and a promise that in the next life, there will be no pain. And so life with God is is fun because pleasing him is what brings us joy. Maybe maybe you're, you're on board with that. Maybe you're tracking with that and you're like, okay, the ultimate fun life, I get it, Red Church, the ultimate fun life is with God. Like, in other words, there's no greater joy than to live for God. Everything else will leave us empty, but God will not. Okay, and, but, and, and I get that he's for me, he supports me, and that he's with me in that but there's still a lot of like really unfun stuff. Like not even like, I get when I sin and I mess up and I have to deal with my own consequences, but there's things in this world that like, it's not my fault. 
you know, that I didn't really do. So why do I have to deal with them? Or why does God want me to give up certain things that I don't think I maybe need to or live in a place that I don't really want to? There's some unfun stuff in this life. And so how do we, how do we reconcile that? I think we, we hear these verses like, okay, God's for us, who can be against us? And I'm with you wherever you go or like, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I won't leave you or forsake you. And we hear these verses and we're like, what? okay, great. It sounds like my life should be awesome if I'm a Christian. It sounds like if I play the lotto, I'm gonna win every week. Like, I, I can't figure it out. Why does it, scripture, make me feel like everything's gonna be fantastic finally when I give my life to God, yet there's still some unfun stuff happening in my life. What, what's going on there? And I think the problem is, is we take the verses out of the eternal context they're in and we try to put them into our temporal mindset where it's like we're so in the moment of how difficult the moment is and how hard it is in that moment that we forget that there's a bigger picture. We forget that there's an eternity happening. We forget that we have a promise of this next life. And we kind of ask ourselves, can something be fun if it has unfun moments? Because if it's full of unfun stuff, is it really a fun life? And I want to say this, yes, something can be fun, even if there's unfun moments. My sister is getting married, okay, and my soon-to-be brother-in-law, who's awesome, and she's had some sketchy dudes in the past, and this guy, he's pretty cool. Um, and so they're getting married and, and they need a place to live. And so they just, they're getting married in October and, and they've been saving up for a long time to have a house where they can move into a house together uh, for when they get married. Well, a week and a half ago, they found a home here in Corona and they bought this house and I got to go, well, you know, it's an escrow and how all that stuff goes, but I got to go with them and like walk through it. And they're like, they're measuring all the rooms and like talking about how they're going to paint the walls, what furniture they're going to have, what, what they're going to use each room for. Dylan's like, oh, this is going to be my man cave. And I'm like, till you have a baby. And you know, they're excited. They're stoked because being a homeowner is fun. You get to make a home your own. But anybody who's owned a home knows that it's full of unfun moments from time to time. This week in my home, <laughs> we had an unfun moment, all right? We, we get home late, me and my wife, we get home late, and uh, we have the kids, and they're kind of like half asleep in the car, and so I have my, my four-year-old on me, passed out, Jocelyn's passed out, and I, I go into the kitchen, I have some trash, and I like just shove the trash down, like compact it myself, because I, I don't want to take it out yet, and I go, and I carry her upstairs, and I'm laying her down, and like I'm just kind of sitting there with her, about to pray with her, and, and then my wife comes in, and Jill, she goes, Jared, you need to get downstairs right now. Now, I'm like, I threw the trash away. What, what, else, what else did I not clean? What is going on? She goes, I, can't, I, just, I can't. I can't. There's maggots everywhere. They're coming out of the trash can. They're crawling up on the furniture. They're all over the floor going into the rugs. I'm like, what? She goes, Jared, you hate spiders? For me, it's maggots. I can't do it. I can't handle it. I walk in. We go downstairs. They were under our couch. They crawled out everywhere. This is in our home this week. It's gross because there's hair there. Um, I didn't notice that in the first two services <laughs> or when I filmed it. See, it's under the, you let your kids eat on the couch because it's like, just eat wherever you want. I just see peace, right? And then the problem is they spill stuff under the couch and then apparently maggots find it. And so, because once isn't enough, I really want it to sink in. Uh, 
We spent 45 minutes cleaning these up. She's like trying to like not like gag and like, and like having to like go out of, and out of the room to like catch her breath and come. She's like, they're everywhere. I can't do this. You need to do it. I'm like, it's fine. They're just like boogers that move. It's all, you just squeeze them and you pop them. It's not that big. I'm like, our dog, you can eat these. Our dog is eating them. See, we can solve world hunger with insects. I read a BuzzFeed article on it. It's protein. It's delicious. Let's get rid of that. <laughs> Owning a home is fun, but man, it's full of some unfun moments. This week was a VBS week, okay? I got to help run a special fifth and sixth grade tween version of VBS, um, where we, d- we did the same messaging and programming and stuff, but instead, at the end of it all, we take them and do fun stuff. So Monday, we got to do Glow Golf. Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, we went and saw Cars 3. Wednesday, we took them shopping to go buy blessing bags to put together um, items in a blessing bag that they could take home with their family um, and give to, to needy people. On Thursday, we had a huge water war. This week of EBS was fun, but it had some unfun moments. About 40 minutes into Glow Golf, we get like an announcement on the loudspeaker. Uh, we need you all to evacuate. Uh, we'll just please get out. And like, we're like, what, what's happening? The kids are walking out. As you walk up the stairs out, like it's like raining from the walls feces, like straight up. It was the, the, the walls were sweating poop. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was disgusting. We quickly got out of there. Everybody survived, which is good. And, and it was okay. But that was an unfun moment. On the way home from there, one of the cars got a flat tire, like unfun moment. But this week, VBS was fun. Yes, it was full of unfun moments, but it was fun. Life with God, there's still going to be pain and some unfun moments. But the ultimate fun life is with God and for God. Uh, A friend of mine this week on Facebook uh, shared a quote that was accredited to C.S. Lewis and I didn't double check it because it was a genius quote. And so I figured, well, it has to be C.S. Lewis. Um, But it goes like this. It says, life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace and difficulties. Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace and difficulties. I think we we hear these verses sometimes and we just think, okay, yeah, I'm going to give my life to Christ and it's all going to be awesome. But there's still unfun moments, but that does not mean that living for him will not give you joy. Living for him will give you the ultimate joy in life, joy that cannot be taken away because he is eternal. When God is your source of joy, it will never run out. It will finally be complete. I think what's the hardest ultimately is how do we trust God in the pain? How do we trust God with our lives when it's not that fun? How do, we, how do we give that to him? If we go back to the first verse you read, Romans 8, 31, right? God's our ultimate supporter. If he's for us, who could stand against us? In the very next verse, verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You see, we ask God for stuff all the time. We ask him, please help get rid of this pain, help get rid of this disease, help me overcome this sin struggle, please. And sometimes it just feels like nothing, like he doesn't answer, or maybe it's even a no. And we just go, God, why? And we begin to think that we know what we need better than what God knows we need. 
And we know we can trust him in the pain because if he is willing to give his own life for us and give purpose to the pain, we can certainly trust him with the small little struggles that we deal with every single day. And I don't want to say small in the sense of they don't hurt, they don't crush you, they do. But nothing will ever compare in scale to what Jesus did for us on the cross. There was no greater pain ever felt by any single person ever to live this life than what Jesus did for us on the cross. Ultimately, the hard part, the hard part of it all, isn't trusting him, I don't think. I think it's when you're there, is not letting the complaints get in the way of that trust. And I, I don't want you to think that I'm saying, oh no, you can't, you can't ever like say like, oh, man, life is hard right now, or this is difficult, or just what I'm going through just seems unfair, or whatever. Like that's okay, and we need to share that with people because we need that counsel and we need that encouragement. But when we stand and complain, you see complaining is different because it says, I am not moving, I am not going forward until you, God, change something in my life because I won't settle for this. It's not fair. So change this, God. And we can find ourselves complaining. Expressing hardship is one thing, but complaining is totally different because ultimately the joy and fun life with God, again, comes in knowing we are doing what he wants right where he wants us. It's been about a year since my wife and I moved out here from Arizona because God said, you need to be at Olive Branch. I want you in this church. I want you with this family of people and in this community. Get there. And we knew that leaving the church that we did not want to leave would be crazy difficult. And we knew that being here for this first year was going to be super difficult as well. But I don't think either of us ever thought we would get to a point where we'd be like, I'm done, I don't want to do it anymore. Because it's easy to kind of step back and go, yeah, yeah, God, I'll trust you with that and go into it. And then you get in there and it becomes uncomfortable and it becomes difficult and it becomes painful. And then you just, your expression or asking for help in prayer and saying things are difficult become complaints. And then you begin to go, God, like, why? I, I just, you need to change this too hard. This isn't what I signed up for. And back in February at our high school winter camp is when it all came to a head for me. I, at that camp, let my complaints stop me in my tracks, in my faith, and continuing to persevere through the pain and trust God. I, I, was, I was at this camp. It was hard enough already because it was my first camp without, not at the church I was used to being with. And with, I, 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 you know, I only had six months or so of relationship with students as opposed to years and years and years with students. And so I didn't have the, the, the depth of relationships wasn't there yet. And even still, like the youth group itself has gone through a lot these last few years. Really difficult stuff. And when there's change in leadership like that, I mean, God can definitely grow a student and grow us like without a person. He can definitely do it on his own, but he loves to use people. And when, when people struggle or when there's a lot of changeover and stuff, it's basically resulted in there's not a lot of, there, had, there wasn't a lot of upperclassmen this year with a lot of great spiritual maturity. And it's like, it's not their fault. It's where they're at in life. It's where God has them. It's, it's where they're at in their process and their faith relationship with God. It's just where they are. And, and 
normally the third night of winter camp is like the cry night, as we call it. It's the night where it's like, everybody's about to get real. We're all about to say, I slapped my mom last week. Like, we're going to confess some stuff. We're going to cry, even though we're all men. Like, I get it. Let's do it. I got the tissues, right? And I was ready. And like, I, I, it was my favorite part of camp because it's the moment when God takes our pain and gives it purpose. And we give God our sin and he forgives it. And it's this amazing, amazing moment. And the conversation was great and it was getting there and getting there and getting there, but it just, it wasn't going to go to the next level and I could tell that. And I didn't want to force these guys into a conversation that they weren't ready yet to have, but man, I hoped for that. And because it didn't happen, it made me miss the community I was in before and it made me want to go back. And so I just, I, I, what I did was I challenged them. There was, the camp had set up what they called worship experiences throughout the camp. And they focused on different areas. And a couple, I said, you can go do these things if you want, or if you just want to hang out, you know, respect any other groups that are doing whatever, you know, like you be you. I'm not going to force you into anything. I'm going to walk with you where you are. But right now I need to go do something. And so one of the, the worship um, experiences was on community. And I'm like, man, I this is what I need. I just saw the title and was like, community. Yes, thank you, Lord. It's like, it was like he knew that this weekend was gonna be hard for me and I needed just to be taught something about community. And so I go to this worship experience and I walk in the room and there's groups of people meeting already and they have popsicle sticks with like open-ended like open questions to get people dialoguing. And I'm like, ooh, I wonder who I'm gonna get to sit with and talk with and like get this community. I walk up and there's a tray, a table with trays of Rice Krispie treats so we could all break, bread crispies together and share them and, and eat together. And I'm like, yes, awesome. Oh, it's just what I need. And I walk up and I, I like ask the lady, like, so where do I go? And she goes, are you alone? Uh, yeah. Like inside it was like, that's what I was wrestling with. Like I feel alone. So I'm like trying not to cry. And I'm like, oh, and yeah. She's like, you're supposed to come with like, your small group or your church or some, you know, your leaders. I was like, oh, I'll just come check it out. <laughs> Fine. What's this? Oh, sticks, popsicle sticks, big ones with questions. That's cool. All right, here you go. Thanks. Bye. You want a rice crispy treat? No, no. <laughs> I walk out and as soon as I step outside, it just tears just and like, like the ugly cry, snot flying. It's all freezing in my face instantly because it's cold, a winter camp. And I'm like, I just, I need, I need to just go off away from everybody for a minute and just kind of like go in the trees up on the hill. I just need to, I just need to pray. And I was like, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't know why you asked me. I don't know why you brought me and my family here because I don't feel like I'm good enough for this. I don't feel like this is working. I don't feel like I've, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the right person. Why, why am I here? I can't figure it out. And I was like, God, if there's any way to get back to Arizona, please make it happen because I know you can. If there's a way out of this, if there's a different way, please make it happen. You know what he said to me? Nothing. It was quiet. Like, hello, hello, hello. You ever feel like that when you pray? I do sometimes. And I just thought, God, why? I need, I need you right now. Speak to me. And so I'm like, well, I'll read, I'll read that sheet about the room. Maybe there's something in there that he wants me to read. And the very first sentence was, please bring people with you. I'm like, oh, why didn't I read that sooner? And it's like, oh, and then read Acts. So I go and read the beginning of Acts, which I know is about the early church and how awesome they all were and self-sacrificing in this tight-knit community. I'm like, God, I understand. That's what I want. That's why I'm crying. Reading about it's not helping. Hook it up, man. 
Like, make the people from Arizona just like walk out of the trees right now, like feel the dreams. Even though they're not dead, they're alive, but you can do it. And I had to get myself back together because I had to go meet with my leaders. I'm like, you know what, God, if you're not going to say anything to me, if you're not going to fill me, a chocolate shake at that snack shack sure will. So I walked down, got myself together, and I was going to get myself a chocolate shake to meet with my leaders and cry with them. And, and as I'm about to go inside, I feel someone grab my shoulder, and I turn around, and I look back, and it was, it was one of my students. And, and to be honest with you, this student all weekend had been like questioning, I don't think I'm saved. I, like, I don't think God could forgive me. Like I sometimes doubt him and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, 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 God's grace and forgiveness is bigger. And I've been having the same conversation with him all weekend. And so when he tapped me on the shoulder in that moment and I looked back at him inside, I was like, I do not have the time for you right now, man. I am falling apart inside. I am done. Like, where is my youth pastor that I can tap? I need somebody. Give me a shake. And so I, I set myself aside and I do the pastor thing and I'm like, so what'd you, what'd you do? And he goes, oh, I went to this other worship experience. Cool. We get inside, we're in line, just standing there awkwardly silent. And I'm like, I guess I should ask him something. I'm like, so what was it like? Oh, there was like verses on the wall. And so I just kind of like read the verses and I prayed. Awkward silence. And I'm like, well, was there a verse that stood out or anything? And he goes, yeah, yeah, there was. Matthew 26, 39 talking about Jesus, the night he's about to be betrayed and arrested. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Man, as soon as he read that, I just like, I'm bawling. He's like, oh my gosh, my youth pastor's got issues. Why does he like shake so much? And I just lost it because God used the one student who had been struggling with his faith all weekend to speak through him to me to let me know he knows exactly what I'm going through, but on a much bigger scale. So the difference between what Jesus prayed and I prayed, we both prayed for a way out, but Jesus ended it with, but not what I want, God, what you want. Where I was like, fine, if not what I want, chocolate shake, God. And I cried and he didn't, he didn't make the pain go away. He didn't make it any easier. He didn't move people, all my youth group and church family out here so we could all just become like one giant massive bigger church, right? No, he just said, I know what you're going through. I know where you're at. I've been there literally. Just trust me. You're right where I want you. You don't need to be great. I'm great. You don't need to figure it out. I have a plan. And it's going to be painful and it's going to be hard, but it's my plan. And can I just tell you, man, in that moment, it was like my tears weren't tears of like, so you're not going to fix it. It was tears of, you care. This is where I'm supposed to be. He confirmed for me that the pain I'm in has a purpose. And the pain that, that confirmation gave me so much joy and it gives me so much joy knowing that me and my family, where we are here at Olive Branch, here in Corona, this is exactly where we're supposed to be. And it's full of some unfun moments, but this past year has been fun because it's been for him. And so the life you live, it might have, it will have unfun moments, whether you choose to live for him or not, but with him, he gives you purpose when you're living for him, doing what he wants right where he wants you.
And if you've never trusted him, if you've never given your life to him and said, God, I'm done trying to figure it out on my own. I want you to figure it out for me. Please forgive me. I'm a sinner. I need you. But speak to me and tell me where you want me and how you want me to do it. And he will support you with you where you are through his Holy Spirit. Do that. Receiving a fun life with God doesn't mean giving up fun moments. It just means trading them in for different kinds of fun moments while also giving purpose to the pains of this life as we eagerly await the promise of the next life through Jesus Christ. The ultimate fun life with God, that joy that we get, the fun that we describe, never ends because it's eternal, because it's our, its source is from God. Find your source of joy. Find your fun life in God and with God. Let's pray. God, we thank you We thank you so much for the joy and happiness you give us. We thank you that you shape us and mold us to be citizens of your kingdom, to be more like you and less like this world. God, we ask for just confirmation. We ask for encouragement and support from you in those moments of pain and difficulty, God. And we we pray that you would.